Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's 930 in 716. Gearing up for our conversations with the Erie County executive candidates. The advantage is, is that you can not just ask one follow-up question, but your interviewers can ask two or three and stay on a topic as long as they want to stay on that topic. And they can press a candidate. I'm Tim Wenger on 930 and 716. I personally have soured on debates of late, nationally and locally. In order to get both sides to agree to a debate, the media outlets need to agree with campaigns on venues, moderators and questioners, and of course, the rules. And when all is said and done, it turns more into a display of formatics with candidates interrupted with bells and buzzers and no one issue getting fully vetted. Now, that being said, debates, I guess, will always have a place in politics. You'll hear them here on WBEN. But they seem to have become a safe place for the candidates. We're trying something a little different this year. We've already done it for NY27, inviting each candidate in studio alone and answering questions from our anchors. Simple, yes, but effective and, I think, more telling of a candidate's views. Monday, we welcome incumbent Democratic County Executive Mark Polingars in studio at 8 a.m. with Susan and Brian. Tuesday, Independent Challenger Lynn Dixon will be on air. Should be an in-depth look at the most focal race locally. It really is one of the most understated county executive races I can remember. I was talking to some friends yesterday, both of both parties, and they all kind of commented about there's really no buzz out there. There's no hot issue burning. There's no controversy. Uh, there's no fighting really going on between the candidates. It really makes it the exception rather than the rule. I picked the brain of our political go-to guy, Carl Calabrese. The very first campaign I ever worked on as a young college student was a county executive race. And I can remember some pretty hot ones. And, and this one, as I say, is right now kind of an outlier. You Are you hearing anything about internal polling on either side? Um, I, you know, that is, I, I think, real telling. We haven't heard too much about any kind of polling. I, I have, yeah, I haven't either. Um, you know, I'm, I'm hearing people speculating about, you know, where they might be and how close it might be or not close. And, but it's all speculation. There's no, there's no leaking from either side about internal polling. Uh, and none of the big organizations uh, have have begun their polling. I would suspect that within the next week uh, or so, we may very well see a front-page story in the Buffalo News about a poll that the news does, and that may give us our first real indication of where this race stands. But as of this point today, the, the 11th of October, uh, no data of any reliable sources at all. So way back in, you know, I guess it was June, I was talking with someone, uh, you know, pretty high in the in the GOP world locally, and um, they had indicated to me that uh, you just wait, this is going to be a tighter race than you expect, and um, that last month is going to be like shock and awe as far as uh, spending and advertising on the Republican side uh, or independent side, however you want to characterize Lynn Dixon's uh, candidacy. I, I'm not seeing that. Are you? 
No, not yet. None of us are. But, you know, given the the relative size of their war chest, um, if she is going to do what you call a shock and awe campaign, uh, it's probably going to be in the last 10 days, uh, given the amount of money she has. I don't think she has enough uh, to sustain that kind of intensive media campaign from the 11th of October to Election Day. So I, I, I would think that you'll, if, if they're going to do that kind of offensive, you'll see it in the last 10 days. You've been involved in politics a long time. I'm just a casual observer. If if I was uh, involved here at all, if uh, on either side, I guess my strategy for, for Mark Poland cars would be don't mess up, don't make any mistakes, just do your job. And for Lynn Dixon, it would be uh, swing and swing hard. Um, I think Mark Poland cars is doing what I just said. Um, I don't feel like Lynn Dixon is swinging or swinging hard. Well, the, uh, I would I would agree with your your strategy for both candidates. Um, I would add one other thing though to Mark Polenkar's strategy. Besides, you know, do no harm. Uh, don't you know? Don't give any openings to the opposition to exploit. The other thing I would add is just the ground game, the get out the vote game. Uh, as I mentioned on on the show yesterday. There are real, there's only one there's only one race in the entire city of Buffalo where there's a need even a Republican on the ballot. There's a councilmanic race. Um, that's it. All of the other councilmanic races were decided primary day. So there's really no grassroots effort, no grassroots uh, uh, enthusiasm for people to go out and vote. There's just nothing on the ballot uh, within the city of Buffalo. So if I'm the polling cars people, that has got to be a potential concern. Uh, because of the massive number of Democrats in the city of Buffalo, any Democrat running for county office uh, needs to come out of Buffalo with as big a margin as possible just to be an insurance policy should anything go wrong in the suburbs. Um, and so I, that's got to be part of the, the strategy. Forget what you mail out. Forget your radio commercials. Forget your TV commercials. How are we going to get people in the city of Buffalo out to vote? Now, Democrats in the last few years have gotten an insurance policy. It used to be they, that Republicans could count on suburban vote to counter the city. But in the last few years, the, the three first-ring suburbs, Chictawaga, Amherst, and Tonawanda, have all become Democrat towns in enrollment and by elected officials. There is not one Republican on the Amherst, Tonawanda, or Chictawaga town boards. So the calculus has changed for the Democrats in their favor. They not only have the city of Buffalo that is a potential goldmine of voters, but now they have the first three first-ring suburbs. Um, you take the total population of the city in those three suburbs, and you've got two-thirds of the population of Erie County in, in four municipalities. So they've got a lot of structural advantages, but they got to get the vote out. So on election night, you probably want to look at that vote real closely, right? Those, those first-ring suburbs would be very telling? Oh, absolutely. Um, and plus, historically, there have been three suburbs that Republicans have been able to do very well in. Um, they used to call it the, the, the Golden Triangle. Um, it was uh, Lancaster and West Seneca uh, and uh, Chittawaga. Uh, that those three could be relied upon to split their ticket and vote for Republicans. And all three have a long history of voting for numerous Republicans at the county, state, and national levels. So that's probably in the playbook of the Republican Party and Lynn Dixon's campaign is, can we get that back? Can we use that to offset uh, some of the other communities, and especially the city of Buffalo, uh, if there's a low turnout in, in the city? Can, can we uh, get out the vote in those three communities to 
make it an interesting race. Interesting, interesting indeed. Um, you know, listen, let's shift the, the conversation now over to debates. Um, as an observer, again, as a casual observer of politics and one who has to follow it, um, debates, I, I'm getting sour on debates, and I'm talking nationally, locally, just debates in general. I think they'll always have a place and they're important, and I would certainly uh, welcome them, you know, on our air uh, in the future. However, as I watch these national debates, you know, with 10, 15 candidates or locally, um, you know, like we had the other night on, on Channel 4, um, I don't see a lot getting done. Um, it's almost gimmicky, and uh, I, I, I think, I, I don't know. What are your thoughts on debates uh, at, at this stage of where we're at in, in how politicians react to them? Well, first of all, I, I'm not a big fan of them either because they're really not debates. Uh, the format is more like a glorified press conference, and uh, I don't think they serve much purpose. I, I mean, with 10 or 15 candidates, it's a mess, okay. I mean, right. It's, but with two, um, I've always been I've always been an advocate of of the Canadian model, or the British model of a debate between two or three candidates, and that is, you put them at a podium, and you have a moderator who says to the two or three candidates, for the next fifteen minutes, you're going to de- you're going to debate British defense policy. Go, and the three of them have you know, a free-for-all. Now, they know how to do that probably better than we do because their parliamentary system requires skilled debaters like that. But I would love to see one of the TV stations or radio station break the mold one of these years and do that format as opposed to the very structured, you know, you've got a minute to answer and you've got 30 seconds to rebut, and it's very robotic and it's very scripted. And as you're right, it doesn't lead to anything. Uh, so it'd be very interesting if somebody broke the mold and copied the British and Canadian model and set one up for a local race and see what happens. It could, it could be very, very interesting. Just you give them a topic, you give them a time limit, and the two of them, debate. I, I, that's what I'd like to see. And I think that might produce more information for voters than what we have now. Yeah, I'm all for breaking the mold. And I, my only fear in that is, if proposed, I don't know which candidate or candidates in any race that would agree to do it, you know? And I think, you've, you know, that, that that's the problem inherent. It, it might very well be, but it, it, I don't think it's ever been offered. So we don't know the, the answer to that Interesting. Question. You know, and there is another, you know, we had the WIVB debate the other night. Um, you know, it is what it is or was what it was. And there is another debate coming up on uh, Channel 2, WNED and WBFO. That is uh, uh, later in the week. Now, before that, we did, uh, you know, I won't say break the mold, but I think we're just trying to do something different. We did this with the NY27 candidates uh, several weeks ago where we invited everyone in studio they get one full hour uh we limit the commercials we limit the news uh we just kind of like peel away the onion and and give that candidate uh one full hour of airtime with our anchors um uh and just it's just questions it's it's you know i'd say one-on-one but it's two-on-one susan and brian you know talking on monday uh with uh, mark polenkars and tuesday with lynn dixon um again Maybe not breaking the mold, but just different. And I think, um, you know, we saw it uh, just this week on CNN. They're doing, you know, a candidate every half hour, I think, or every hour. Um, It does give you a different perspective. They're not interrupted. Um, Yes, they they preach their own case. Um, But, uh, you know, your thoughts on that, that format versus, uh, you know, two people, you know, that get 30 seconds here and 30 seconds there. Well, it's not a debate. It's an extended interview. 
But the advantage is, is that you can not just ask one follow-up question, but your interviewers can ask two or three and stay on a topic as long as they want to stay on that topic. And they can press a candidate beyond just the talking point, which is what you often get in, in a debate with you know, a minute and 30 seconds or a minute um, answer and a 30-second response. You get the talking points. Uh, in studio for an hour with you know, two interviewers uh, really works against that that type of format that gives a candidate the out of just staying with the talking points because your people can can stay on a point for as long as they want and they can ask as many questions until they get an answer or until they realize that the candidate's not going to answer it and that sends a message to the voters too that after persistent probing and questioning if they just stick to the talking points that's probably going to work against them in the minds of the the average voter yeah we're looking forward to it i think it'll be an interesting uh, session and then i think we'll talk with you on on wednesday uh about okay. what what you you had thought about the um uh the two candidates you know and again going back to you know this whole race in general you know i'm i'm surrounded by the race all the time in the media you're surrounded by the race as a a political uh, consultant commentator um but the average joe out there you know they're not talking about this, right? I mean, this is really, no. yeah, this is inside stuff. Very low-key race at this point. Now, <laughs> I've been around politics long enough to know that can change on a dime. There could be an issue that arises. There could be a mistake made by one of the candidates. Uh, any number of things could happen to elevate this race from just a, a low-volume buzz to the topic in everybody's mind and conversation. So that, that's what makes politics, to me anyway, so interesting is how quickly it can change. And just when you think everything is settled and you're headed down a path, uh, boom, it changes. And you're on a totally different path with a totally different dynamic. Yeah, a final thought, Carl, would be simply asking, you know, what would be um, either the best or the worst thing to happen to one of these candidates? Um, and, you know, you, maybe not both for both, but, uh, you know, what, what could happen that, that could change this race, I guess? Well, as you mentioned earlier, the, the incumbent can always make a mistake and uh, – that leads to a, an opening, and that's why incumbents don't like debates, uh, because it always gives the opponent, first of all, it gives them free airtime that they might not otherwise be able to afford, and secondly, it, it gives the chance for uh, the incumbent to, to make a mistake, to do a, a self-inflicted wound. We were talking yesterday with, with uh, Brian and Susan, and we were talking about knockout punches in, in debates, and I said, you know, there, it really is the exception uh, to the rule for knockout punches. Uh, but if I think back to those so-called knockout punches, oftentimes they're self-inflicted. For example, uh, in 1976, when President Ford was debating Jimmy Carter, and, he made, and Ford made the statement that the Soviet Union doesn't dominate Eastern Europe, and then he wouldn't clarify it, and that, that changed the whole debate for the next 10 days. People would say, what, is he crazy? How can he not say the Soviet Union dominates Eastern Europe? Self-inflicted wound. Um, the Rick Lazio moment. When Rick Lazio left his podium and went over to Hillary Clinton's podium and invaded her space and hovered over her and wouldn't leave, that was a self-inflicted wound. So that's what the worry with incumbents is, is that these things can, can lead to that type of mistake that changes the whole chemistry of the campaign going forward. So that, that can always happen. And every time an incumbent steps into a debate or any type of forum like that, there's a risk of that, and that's why they like to limit the number of debates, and that's why they like to get them done early. So if there's a mistake, they've got time to correct it. Candidates in Conversation, Monday and Tuesday at 8 a.m. on WBEN and WBEN.com. That's 930 in 716.
We're back tomorrow with another edition from the studios of WBEN Buffalo. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com.